So it is a real privilege and honor to be here with you guys. Um, I don't take it lightly at all to be able to share what Jesus is doing in my life. I think it's a real absolute absurd gift that Jesus would allow me to speak at all and that he would allow you to listen. And so I'm just really, really grateful. Um, as Josh was saying, I, um, does anyone remember a record label called Tooth and Nail? Like three of you, praise the Lord. And, and anyone remember a band called Showbread? Nice, like four of you, cool. So uh, <laughs> the, uh, the beauty of it is that, um, the, that God's really done a crazy work in my life, and I'm going to share that with you in a little bit. But a couple of my favorite stories involving Josh and uh, Patrick and Mike and their band is that um, one time I was with uh, the first time ever that we heard their, their, their band's first single was a song called Mouth Like a Magazine. And we were on this boat, the president of the record company in Seattle. I lived in Seattle for many years. Um, the, we were out on Lake Washington cruising along and just blasting mouth like a magazine. Bramp. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it reminds me a lot of, dude, looks like a lady, but it wasn't. It was mouth like a magazine. And, uh, <laughs> and just, sorry, I had to. But um, Patrick's just back there shaking his head like unbelievable. You guys were fools enough to give me the mic. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it was just remarkable the way that God's worked. There was a time outside of a show at one of those clubs in Seattle where I'm almost 99% sure that Josh had a BB gun, shot me in the leg with a BB gun, and then ran into their van and closed the door and locked himself in the van. Is that true? Yeah, yeah I, I thought my memory wasn't messing with me there. Um, so I remember them calling me when they watched a documentary that uh, our organization, Come and Live, released called the New Zealand Documentary. And in it, some people get healed and Jesus does some amazing things. And, and Josh called me and he said, hey man, we're all like really good, well-behaving Southern Baptist boys. And we've read every theological book there is out there. And yet you are showing us by way of this film some really crazy things that we can't put into our theological paradigm. What is wrong with you? And I was like, oh man, where do we begin? So they came over to my house and, and we spent, I think it was hours going over it. And I had this suggestion, you know, if you guys want to see people healed, let's go to Walmart. My son David is 12, and he can tell you that there is a much higher degree of sick people at Walmart than at Target. I don't know why. I have no idea how it works, but it's true. So they were, you know, Josh and, and everybody said, you know, you don't have, we don't have to go to Walmart. We've got sick people right here. And I'm like, really? So uh, we prayed. How's your knee, by the way? That was a long time ago, Patrick, to put you on the spot. Is it good? Yeah. Have you had any issues? What? All right, thank you, Jesus. So, uh, but the, the, it was cool to pray for Patrick's knee, but it was also really sweet to pray for another member in their band that had youth arthritis, I think. Severe pain all day long, all kinds of craziness that he got made fun of by certain <clears throat> members in his band that we won't get into. And um, Jesus radically healed him. And we're like, is there anything that you couldn't do that you could try right now? And he's like, all right. He's like, well, if I do a push-up," So he gets down on the ground and does a push-up and ends up doing five. And he's like, I can't tell you the last time I did a push-up. I'm so proud of myself for five push-ups. And um, all over, over the course of, I think it was a couple of months, the Lord completely, totally healed him and it was beautiful. So yeah, thank you, Jesus. So the reason that I'm here and the reason that I believe God has allowed me to be alive in, in this life 
is to accomplish one thing, which is to equip artists and others for a life of risk. So I'm one of over 2.4 billion Christians alive on this planet Earth, which means one out of every three people approximately believe in Jesus at some level. Um, 12 years ago, I'm living life in Seattle as like this successful music industry person. And in that space, um, I was also living this double standard of a life. I was completely living in sin. I was addicted to myself, to pornography, to drugs. I was a workaholic. I struggled to love Jesus, let alone anybody else. And around that time, somebody gave me a copy of this book called Don't Waste Your Life by a guy named John Piper. Am I allowed to say his name here? (laughs) Do you guys wanna know how every pastor joke starts? I know, it's dumb. Has anyone ever heard that before, by the way? I actually kind of tweaked it a little bit. It's technically, never mind, doesn't matter. It's so stupid, it doesn't matter. But the the amazing thing uh, in reading that book is that I actually realized that I was doing just what Piper suggested I not, uh, which is waste my life. So um, a, a few, I don't know when it was, maybe a couple of weeks after reading this book, I was driving into the office. Anyone been to Seattle? Since you guys are basically... The, the southern sister to, you guys, like, you guys plus Vancouver equals just about the most beautiful pocket of America on America's map. So you're all insanely blessed, and, um, and I'm struggling in my little Nashville life that feels like this all summer. So welcome to my heat. Um, but, but I'm driving into the office on the Seattle Viaduct, which means that that Seattle's off to my right, Puget Sound and uh, the Olympic Mountain Range are off to my left, Mount Rainier's in my rearview mirror, and I have this crazy encounter with God where he asks me one question, still small voice, I've never audibly heard God, uh, though I desire to, so hint, hint, because um, why not? Why not pray crazy big prayers and then someday come back to you and say, guys, I still haven't heard his voice, but Jesus, So he asks me, still small voice, one question, why are you fighting me? And in that moment, I retort with like this this arrogant display of my insecurity, and it sounds a lot like, what do you mean, why am I fighting you? And right then, it's like he did this work where he softened my heart in in an instant, and I broke down, and I was like weeping uncontrollably, hoping that nobody, none of my commuting neighbors in the bumper-to-bumper traffic were realizing that I was having a personal meltdown with Jesus. And I began confessing my sin and repenting for my sin and apologizing to God and telling him, you're right, I've been fighting you. And I remember praying a prayer, something along the lines of, Jesus, please write whatever kind of story you want over my life. And if you want your life to remain quasi the same, please, whatever you do, don't pray a prayer like that. So fast forward a few years and I'm at a conference, another Piper conference, but I've been to Minneapolis twice. I've been to Boyd's church once, Piper's church once. So I feel like it's the great balancing act, you know? But I'm at this conference and it's a conference on worship. And during this conference, one of the bands that I had signed that was a worship band were leading worship. And again, I began to feel the Holy Spirit, still small voice speaking to my heart an answer to that prayer that I had prayed in Seattle years earlier, maybe two or three years earlier. And it came, his voice came in the form of four simple but very bold instructions. One, make your life all about Jesus. 
Two, stop worrying about money. Three, make disciples of artists and others. And then four, give your life away. And so I came home. Has anyone seen Jerry Maguire? I know you guys are all young and you're just looking at me like, Jerry, who? But it's your homework for the night. For those of you who haven't seen it, Jerry Maguire. Thank you. I know. Was it you? Thank you. Yeah, for the one yes. I appreciate it. All I need is one yes, and it's enough. That's all it takes as a speaker. One, and it's fire. So, um, so I'm, I'm basically just inspired and really, really excited and can't wait. Um, so I get home, and I tell my really amazing... Does anyone know what the Enneagram is? Anybody? It's like a personality test. Well, I'm a seven, which means I'm the enthusiast. Are you surprised? Anyone who knows the test. I married a one who is the reformer, which means that there is great balance in the force of my family because I'm crazy and she's not. So put us together and it's like this sweet, like kind of crazy, but kind of works really, really well. 21 years later kind of thing. I have two children, Sydney, who is 16, our daughter, and David, who I told you about is 12. David loves everything Xbox One and everything that, that um, is, comes in the form of a live reptile, especially if it's a lizard. Anyone else collect reptiles like lizards? You guys have lizards? No way. We have two. That's how many do you guys have? What? That's incredible. Baby? Yeah, bearded dragons are the best. Everybody go get a bearded dragon. Everyone who has, doesn't have one is like, what? Bearded, what? Um, so it, it was... Um, me coming home to my wife, telling her, honey, I'm so excited. I feel like Jesus told me to make my life all about him and to stop worrying about money. And I, at this point, was a very successful music industry guy that was really good at worrying about money. And she said, well, it's weird. When you were away, God gave me a prophetic word for you. Now, this is my, my Southern Baptist wife. She doesn't exactly like the showbread guys say prophetic word, at least back then when, when anyway, uh, another theological yeah, conversation for another day. But um, she said, the first, she's only had two prophetic words for me that I can remember. The first one was 1 Corinthians 4.20 that says the kingdom of God does not consist in talk but in power. And then on this um, day when I re returned home, the word was Habakkuk 2.2 that says, write the vision, make it plain on the tablets, which this was my tablet, that those would run who read it. And I took this thing out and started doing my Jerry Maguire inspired writing. If I could do anything, it would be this. Five days later, I call my wife and I say, honey, I just know that today is the day that I'm supposed to quit my job and leave everything and follow Jesus. The only downside, anyone know who Dave Ramsey is? The only downside is I was not exactly a Ramsey fan, which means I had no emergency fund. I had no kinds of savings. I, um, uh, let's see, I was in debt about thirty dollars or $40,000 to credit cards. I had just bought a home. I had leased a second car. And uh, we were in no position whatsoever to be leaving the nice comfort of good record label job. So I tried to remind her of all this, you know, the seven enthusiast husband guy trying to remind his reformed wife that um, there's kind of a reality check happening. And she says, no, I'm with you. I think you should do it. And I was like, I can't believe it. Like my wife all of a sudden is a equal insane enthusiast person. 
Uh, and that was what has begun my journey into this sort of what I would call awkward, awesome, stumbling after Jesus. And, um, and just um, what it's looked like in brief has been um, cashing out the 401k, selling the gold records, all of the, basically my record collection, putting it all on eBay, and, uh, and just saying, Jesus, I have no clue what I'm doing, but you claim to be really, really good at helping idiots, so please help me. And that was uh, some, you know, I'm not claiming you guys are me. I'm just saying this was kind of my prayer. And Jesus, this was my, I feel like I was one part um, impassioned and about three parts foolish. And somehow in that moment and for that time, it's like God just pulled the wool down and, and just, it was crazy. So by the way, because it's so hot in here, which is uh, no fault to your beautiful city, although it kind of is, um, you guys are welcome to walk around and do whatever you want to stay awake if I'm not entertaining enough. So feel free. You can even, I know you won't, but you can. Okay, so why'd you say it's hot or it's awkward? Or both. So uh, that's true. That's why I stepped down a step. So what, one thing that I've learned over the years is that if God can flow through me, then he can absolutely move through you. And he is not hindered by people that don't have it all together. He's not hindered by people who don't know what they're doing. He's not hindered by people who don't feel it or by people who give up too easily or people that don't know how to have faith or people that aren't sure what it means to love. He actually is like, you're the perfect people in which to apply myself and my perfection to so that you can actually pull off what no one else could apart from the king of kings interrupting you and empowering you and taking you places and spaces you never would have dreamed of. So I love this prayer series that you guys are going through and I felt really honored when Josh said, hey, I want you to come and be a part of the prayer series and, and, uh, and that's beautiful. So prayer has been an area that is very near and dear to my life and what it means to live with Jesus and to learn slowly to live a bit more like Jesus but I haven't always prayed wild prayers over wild people. Um, there, there was a time in my life where I was um, a quasi slash like basically cessationist, which if you don't know what that means, it means you um, for all practical purposes do not believe that the Holy Spirit is working today in supernatural ways. And um, that was basically me. I thought that if uh, the Holy Spirit was doing something. It was only in Africa or India because they had demons there. And if you have demons and you have to have the balancing act, which are miracles, so the only place that miracles actually exist are where demons hang out. I know it's slightly jacked up, but that was my perspective. So I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico um, several years ago, and the first time that I ever saw someone healed supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, I thought for sure I had screwed something up. And um, during a time of worship where uh, this worship band was playing, they invited me onto the stage and said, hey, you can do whatever you want with this stage. And, um, and, and so if you envision it with me, it's, there's hundreds of people and they're leading worship. And I get up there and they're still playing. And I was just thinking, this, like, 
I can barely even stand under what feels like the presence of God. What do I do? And so I just felt like God said, get on your knees. So I did. And I just began praying my heart out over this city of Albuquerque. And I just, I don't even really remember the context of my praying other than I prayed some kind of healing prayer over the city of Albuquerque. And it wasn't the kind of healing prayer that I pray today, like in Jesus' name, be healed, or pain, I command you to leave, or these little bursts um, in, in instructions for bodies to be healed and all that. It was just a, like a blanket, like tossing the net over the city and asking Jesus to do a work. And so at the end of this night, a girl comes up to me and she's crying and she's like, I just have to thank you. And I'm like, okay, what did I do? She said, when I came in here with crutches and I'm a marathon runner and my kneecap's been been somehow dislocated out of place and, and I can't put any pressure on it or do anything with it. And as soon as you prayed healing prayers over Albuquerque, I felt my kneecap switch back into place and I began putting weight on, on my leg and realized that I could sustain my body weight. And then I started running around this room just like, I, I, I can run and I'm healed. And I was just looking at her like, that, I'm not sure if I should have done that. Like, bad prayer. Prayer, come back, come back. I didn't mean that. Um, so I, I wrestled with this idea of what in the world Jesus wants to do when it comes to taking risks and praying wild prayers that things change that ought not to change in, in the sort of um, physical reality world in which we live and, and engaging in a supernatural world that's, that's, um, that's deeper and more profound and more incredible than anything we could ever imagine. So I am um, uh, from another, I'm gonna tell you guys a bunch of stories. I'm a, even though I'm a seven enthusiast person, I'm also a storyteller. So is that cool? Even if you said no, I was going to go with it anyway. But, you know, why not honor the crowd, you know? <laughs> this is, uh, this is it, I hope you guys know that I actually have a real blast in, in what I am able to share with you. And, um, and yet I want to honor the Holy Spirit and time. So I was in Los Angeles. Anyone ever been in Los Angeles? I'm driving through like Orange County towards downtown LA and out of nowhere, this is back when we had little GPS systems on our dashboards. And so I, I can't remember the name, I think we called her Janet, but Janet was like, turn this way and take this right and then go follow some other route into the city. And we were like, okay. And so my friend is with me and um, we're driving and we come around and you know how in Los Angeles, before you get on the interstate, there's, there's red lights and you have to pull up to it and wait your turn and it's annoying, but I guess it works. So we stop there and then right there, there's two guys off to the side that are hitchhiking. And my friend pulls out this line from a movie called Dumb and Dumber. But unlike all of the uh, movie fanatics that might be here, I'm not really much of one. So he says something like, let's pick them up. And I was like, okay. And he's like, dude, that's like a line in a movie. And I was, oh, well, I, sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> but now we're over on the side of the road. Like, let's pick them up. <laughs> so we picked them up and they got in the back of the car and I'm thinking, this is going to be such an awesome Jesus, Holy Spirit ambush. Like these two young teenager kids are about to give their lives to Jesus because they just got picked up. So I'm so excited and can't wait. And, and we're like, hey, where are you guys going? And they say, oh, we're actually going to a, um, a what do you call it? Holy Spirit, help me. Thank you. A Good Friday um, like, like celebration service, sunrise service at a Calvary chapel in Costa Mesa. And I'm like, what? 
you're do wait, hold on, what'd you say? And they're like, yeah, so we came from Albuquerque and we've been hitchhiking from Albuquerque because we felt like Jesus told us to leave everything behind and to go trust him and just like explore the world. And I was like, that's crazy. I love Albuquerque. I was there one time and I explained the whole thing. And they were like, dude, well, that's really crazy. Were you ever there for this show with this band called Sleeping Giant and a band called The Glorious Unseen? And I said, yeah, I was there at that show. Where, well, they said, well, that was the show where we felt like God told us to leave everything and, do, and, and begin this journey. And I was like, no way, I was at that show. Are you crazy? And, uh, and they're like, yeah. So in the middle of the show, this wild, weird guy we'd never seen before knelt down in the middle of the crowd and started saying, Jesus, do whatever you want. Take our lives and make us more like you. Help us, God, to be your, your, your friends in everything that we're called to be and to help the world around us see that you're beautiful and amazing and worth following. And, and because of that little goofy but heartfelt prayer, they left everything and embarked on this journey. And because Jesus is extravagant, he used my friend with a, with a movie line that I didn't recognize to pick up two young men that had been inspired by my prayer or like a year earlier in their city to leave everything and go on this hitchhiking journey. And so we spent two days, they spent the night with us and spent two days just loving on them and hanging out. And we're literally in the car like, no way, like, ah, like this is insane. So uh, I just want to encourage you that that the, the world of those things impossible is the territory in which Jesus is most comfortable. Even though for us, we're like, really? Like, I don't know, I haven't seen that much or I heard and, you know, this one time I like, I thought I should do this one thing and I felt like God told me to go to Burger King and order a special like meal and something crazy was gonna happen and all I got was diarrhea from it and so now I'm confused and you know, wondering what in the world to do. But the reality is that Jesus isn't offended or, or concerned with how much awkward we live out or how much awkward we express because we're all humans and we all have needs and we're all in a place of saying, Jesus, help us. So um, uh, anyway, I'm not gonna tell that second story because can somebody like do a, like before the little ministry time, maybe like a five minute countdown? Can you do that, Josh? Thank you. All right, so I have two hands. This, and I'm thankful to have two hands, by the way. Um, this hand is my extravagant hand, and I could tell you story upon story upon story of how amazing Jesus is and the crazy things he can do by the power of the Holy Spirit for his glory. Then this is my messy hand, and this is the hand that either hasn't seen Jesus do things or that where I'm too afraid to step into things or where I miss it or where I'm living in sin or where I am not celebrating Jesus or not living free. But when you put them together, it's this messy, extravagant journey that God's put me on. And I think that the reason he's given me two hands is because it makes a whole lot more sense for me to equip you and to build you up and to challenge you by sharing that I actually live this what my friends call a awkward, awesome life. It's not always um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Even though that's what I want, all of us wanna live the life of a victor. And very few of us actually wanna live a crazy story where we might go down hard. 
And yet when you put the two together, it's actually, a, a, I think, a realistic picture of life that involves us overcoming and us working through struggles and trials and hardships and challenges. So I, I just encourage you that, um, that anyone um, who gives the impression that life by the Holy Spirit is always extravagant scares me. But anyone who also gives the impression that life by the Spirit is always messy saddens me. And so there's a combination of putting this thing together and realizing that as we grow as risk takers in the kingdom of God, as sons and daughters of Jesus that are saying, God, help us to grow in you, that there's a measure of messy that comes along with the extravagance. And until I'm willing to embrace messy, I don't think extravagance will show off nearly as much as Jesus desires it to. Okay, so Christianity is not about you being amazing, but you being amazed. Christianity is not about you being amazing, but you being amazed. That's me stealing a quote from my pastor, but I just gave him credit, so maybe now it's not stealing. But I pray that that's what happens here tonight. So Jesus, would you allow us to walk out of here? Not amazing because it's not about us. It's about you. Would you help us to walk out of here amazed by how incredible you are, how gifted you are, how perfect you are, how supreme you are. Okay, so our Bible verse tonight, because so far I haven't actually gotten, really gotten into any scripture. And everyone who loves the word is looking at me like, is this dude ever going to open the Bible? So we're going to open the Bible to Hebrews 10.24. You can, you can um, go there now or not, or I can just tell it to you because it's an easy one. Therefore, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews 10.24, therefore, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And that whole chapter is amazing and the passages around Hebrews 10, are, uh, that 24 verse, are amazing. And, and I, um, I challenge us to consider our lives through the lens of stirring up one another to love and good works. That means that my role is to stir you up as the body to love and good works. It also means your role as the body is to stir me up to love and good works. Because I have bad days in the same way that you have bad days. I have messy days in the same way that you have messy days. And when we come together, all of a sudden, I am built up, you are built up, and there's no such thing as rock star Christians. Because in the kingdom of God, the rock star role has already been consumed fully by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All he's looking for are people willing to say, here I am, send me. Obedience is better than sacrifice to listen than the fat of rams. So Jesus, do whatever you want. Again, don't pray that prayer unless you don't really like your life very much. Okay, so um, on December 31st, 2012, I was on a date with my wife. Anyone else like dates with wives? Um, I'm the only one with, with there's like a trio of us. Um, but... I had this crazy idea, because I'm, I'm the enthusiast, the number seven guy, and I told her, honey, what if I 
for a whole year, this whole year of 2013 that's coming, what if I tried to pray for every sick and hurting person out in public life that I come across? And I was just waiting, like, tell me this is such a good idea. You've never heard an idea as inspired as this one. And then my reform number one wife is like, she like, you know, just like shoots an arrow through every ounce of what I was thinking. And she's like, yeah, but what about all the hurting sick people that don't look sick or hurting? <laughs> like de instantly deflated. And she said, but what if you just took a thousand risks to treat somebody the way that you would want to be treated? Like what if you stepped out, because she had read this book called 1,000 Gifts, by, by uh, an author out of Canada. And she was inspired by that, encouraged by it. She said, what if you took a thousand risks and then wrote about them, whether they were good, bad, ugly, somewhere in between. And as soon as she said that, I was oh, like, that's why I married you, that's amazing. Uh, what do you want, what, you know, can I buy you more coffee, donuts, whatever? Uh, so literally that night on December 31st, 2012, I am inspired again like Jerry Maguire making a blog because everyone who's ever inspired has to make a blog, you know? Because that's just, you gotta share your inspiration with the world or else you're not gonna keep it. So I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta you know, just do this thing and get it out there and see what happens. Well, it ended up taking me 742 days to take 1,000 risks. It was all by the grace of God because routinely I wanted to quit and I was like, this is crazy. On my 40th birthday, I went to Walmart when our family took a beach trip and I just walked around with a pad of paper and I said, hey, today is my 40th birthday and I wanna know how I can pray for you. Because I figure, I hate rejection. Rejection's the worst. It's from the devil. Um, Jesus promised it. I try to ignore his promises because I really dislike it that much. But routinely, he draws me back to rejection is a part of what Christians living a life of faith will deal with. And so I hate rejection. And so I went to Walmart with this list and I figured it's my 40th birthday. Who's going to reject birthday boy? Like, hey, it's my birthday. I want to pray for you oh, okay. So 40 people. I, by the end, security was following me and they were like watching me and I was kind of like dodging around like, like little kids clothes and like hanging out little onesies and like, I'm not a creeper at all. Watch this. So they came over and they're like, what are you doing, sir? And I was like, hey, it's my 40th birthday. How can I pray for you? They were like, what? Like, so anyway, it was, it was random. It was awkward and it was amazing. Jesus healed some people and, uh, and it was very encouraging. And yet most, most of what I experienced a thousand times over was this question, this one single question that has changed my life and completely revamped my outlook and my perspective on how to treat other people. It's very, very simple like the gospel was always meant to be. How can I pray for you? And it feels so, so like uh, basic sometimes, so rehashed other times, so like I have asked this question hundreds of times over and over and over again in all kinds of situations and places and in, in, in different um, formats that sometimes I have to go, Jesus, do I even mean it anymore? Because I've been asking it that much and, and it's, 
Jesus, I need to invite you afresh to give me a, a revelation of your love for someone else because if I and we are going to learn to love neighbors the way that we're called to love ourselves, then I think it's going to include more praying for and more hugging and more embracing and more um, extravagant tipping and more opening up the doors for others and more buying someone's groceries in line behind you and more extravagance than we may have ever anticipated anticipated. It's not always easy to say, how can I pray for you? But re repeatedly, I've watched people come around their little like cash booths or their workstations just to give me a hug on the basis of how can I pray for you? One time I'm at a, I'm at a um, office max kind of place and I go to check out my stuff and anytime there's a natural connection with a person is an opportunity for me to potentially represent Jesus to them regardless of whether they hate Jesus or love Jesus or fall somewhere in the middle. My role isn't to figure out who they are or where they are. My role is to love. So if I'm able to just show up with, and I just said, hey, excuse me, ma'am, I know this is a funny question, but how can I pray for you? And she looked up at the, at the clock above her head and she looks down at me and she says, this is unbelievable. And I was like, wow. Yeah, that question I guess really is unbelievable. I should think about that more often. That's right. That's the proper healthy way of seeing this. And she says, right now at 8.30 a.m., my son is going in for surgery on, I think it was some kind of like, he was a singer or something, some kind of thing. And she said, literally right now, it was 8.30 on the dot. He's going in for surgery. Can you please pray for my son? So we just hold hands together. And then the lady in, in line behind us watches all of this and is just like, this is amazing. And then the lady I just prayed for says, can I pray for you? Okay, so I'm going to share a couple of stories with you guys. How much time do I have before ministry stuff? Are we leaning towards the five? Oh my goodness. Man, I'm the worst storyteller on the planet, but Jesus helps me all the time. Okay, so I, I'm just going to do this in two very quick stories. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Like Thomas the train, I can do it. Sorry, that's not how we're going to get there in five minutes. Stress. I'm just trying to unpack stress and like get it out. Like who's the guy? Like, like Iron Man, you know, like when he gets zapped, he's just, it's that thing. Never mind. Sorry. I'm at, a, I'm at the super hipster coffee shop in Nashville and I see these three hipster looking band guys. And I've worked with bands for years so I can recognize them a mile away. They usually smell, they usually look like they're poor, and they usually look like they haven't taken a shower in a very long time. But everyone thinks they're sexy and cool and awesome, so it's great. We all love it. So I see them and I feel like the Holy Spirit says, go tell this one guy this thought. And I was like, oh. You know how you can begin playing like mind games with Jesus? Like Jesus, if the two other guys get up and use the bathroom simultaneously holding hands together, then I'll go approach the one guy. Or if the one guy gets up and walks over to me and looks at me like, what's the word, dude? Then I'll give it to him. And uh, so I was like trying all these things and finally my meeting was over. I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? But I'm trying to take a thousand risks. And I'm trying to like be a, obedient and all this. And so I, I walk over to them and I just, we're going to pretend that this is a chair at a coffee shop and you're one of them. You're my main guy. You two are the two other awkward guys. So somebody's got to be the bad guy. What's your name? 
Cole, nice to meet you, bad guy. Um, so Cole is one, they, these are two members of the band, other member. I'm supposed to give a word to the, what's your name? Devin. Devin. And? Nice to meet you guys. Thank you for your willingness. So um, I'm looking here and I say, hey man, and before I can say anything, this guy, band guy, says, is this some kind of a Jesus thing? And I'm like, oh, like they called me before I even had a chance. And, and I was like, I was like, yeah, it is. And they were like, and this guy says, this is so awkward. And I said, I know, man, I'm sorry. It's just part of my life. And, and so I look over at this guy and I say, hey, man, I feel like God wants to tell you that the creative wall you're up against is going to come down and keep going. You're doing an amazing job. You're a phenomenal artist. You're, you're an incredible creative. And just keep at it. The wall's going to come down. All right, have a good day. Bye. I had no faith to say, does it apply to you on a scale of one to 10? How prophetic was your moment? Blah, blah, blah. I was out of there. And I was like, ah, thank you, Jesus. I made it. It's easier to get threats to have your head cut off than to sit down in a hipster coffee shop sometimes and talk to hipsters. So I, I go back to the same hipster coffee shop a few, like a month later, and my friend's like, dude, I always see rock stars in here. And I'm like, really? I never notice anybody because I'm clueless, just like with the movie line. And I'm like, who's the rock star? And he's like, oh, the guy over there with the jean jacket ordering his coffee. And I'm like, that guy? Really? Oh, wow, it's a dude. And so I began sharing with him that that guy over there was this guy that I had that word for like a month ago. And I tell my friend, and he's like, dude, no way. I said, well, who is he? He's like, oh, he's actually a singer in this band called The Black Keys. So if you're willing sometimes to take radical risks, Jesus will put you in spaces and opportunities where he gets the glory because you're too much of a fool to even know who some, so of course it's awkward because I sat down with the black keys and, and shared a prophetic word over their singer and they're looking at me like, who, like, who does this and why in the world are you here? Okay, so... Um, the last story, and then I'll move on to a little ministry time with you guys, is um, I was um, in Denver a couple of months ago, and I was at this nice restaurant with a group of Christian leaders, and they said, which gift of the Holy Spirit do you struggle with the most, Chad? It was like a Josh Porter kind of question. And I said, I, I don't know, I think I really wrestle with the gift of prophecy and like hearing God's voice clearly for someone else. And they said, yeah, well, that's cool. We do too. And it's, you know, yeah, we can all kind of admit that we all struggle with prophecy. Okay, great. And I said, you know, for example, this person, our waiter, Aaron, I've been asking the Holy Spirit the whole night, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to say to this man? Is there anything that you would like to communicate to him? And I was getting nothing. And this guy looked kind of like he could be a heroin addict, looked like he smelled like cigarettes. He looked rough. So naturally, my inclination toward him was not like, dude, I love you. Jesus loves you. I was kind of like, man, like pull yourself together, you know? Like I, I really had a, a um, not a bitter, but just like a jaded heart toward him. So surprise, surprise, I'm not, oh, I wonder why Jesus isn't speaking to me about this guy's life. Weird. So I kind of confessed like, hey, guys, I'm feeling a little funny about this guy, blah, blah, blah. And out of nowhere, I get this mental picture um, I, I, that's oftentimes how Jesus speaks to me, just like a thought that randomly appears. And it was a picture of an old-time old record player with vinyl records spinning on it. And I thought, maybe this guy wants to start a record shop 
Because I don't know, why not? Like, that could be it, right? Who wants to start the vinyl shop here? Anybody? Is that a prophetic word for anybody? Oh, bummer. Well, someone could have taken it, but now your shot's gone. You're back to staying at Best Buy or wherever you are. So just kidding. Um, Sorry. Man, Holy Spirit, help me. Um, So I am, uh, I share, like, with my group at this, you know, table that, hey, I do have this one thought, but it's super weird, and I don't think it's from God. And, um, but watch, like, I'm going to take a risk to model for you guys what, but what living a life of a risk taker can look like. And they're like, okay, this is fun. And like, let's watch. I said, you're going to see me screw up because this is a perfect example of what not to do. And so I, the, our waiter, Aaron, comes back and I said, Aaron, we're Christians and I've been praying for you. And I asked Jesus to give me a word for you. But the only thought that came to my head is something really, really bizarre and weird. But is it okay if I still share it with you? And he said, Sure. So I said, you know, I saw this picture of you in front of this old school audio technica record player spinning old vinyl. And I said, are you thinking about starting a record store? Prophetic guy just winning all the way. And he goes like, no, no, I can stop you right there. And I was like, oh, see, I kind of look at everyone. Like, here's where he tells me I missed it, screwed up. He said, um, just a short while ago, my mom, the closest person in my life died And the last thing I did with my mom before she died was play her old vinyl records. And I was like, you are. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I just said, man. So he literally, instead of, we didn't have time to pray, he ran off and for like 10 minutes was gone. And he came back and it was clear that, that, that he was very, like he was telling us, I don't know what to do with this. This is crazy. And we just said, can we just please pray for you and ask Jesus to heal your heart? And he's like, sure. So he sits down, our waiter sits down at our table and we just surround him and begin praying over him and blessing him. And so when we're willing to say, Jesus, do whatever you want with our lives, he actually does. And sometimes it looks differently. Sometimes it comes slower than what we hope. I I wish I could tell you that I just instantly transformed into this incredible um, Holy Spirit kind of person. But it's been a nine-year journey of awkwardly stumbling after Jesus that's worth it all along the way because it's not about what I can do. It's about about what he can do. So I'm gonna, I wanna practice with you guys um, and I'm gonna take some risks. I um, wrote all of these down on the airplane out here yesterday and I have no clue whether or not any of them make any sense. But these are them, there's 20 of them and I'm gonna very quickly read through them. So I, this is all I did. Holy Spirit, is there anything that you would like to do at Van City tomorrow night that is way beyond me? And then I listened, and then I just wrote down whatever thought came to my heart. That does not necessarily mean that those thoughts were from Jesus. They were just, I don't know how else to discern God's voice than to write something down and then say, Jesus, you know, does it connect? Or really, body, um, church, does it connect? So what I, the only two things I ask of you guys, from you, is that as I read these out, if any of them do apply to you, please don't, like, make any sounds or stand up and like, that's me or any of that stuff. Um, And then secondly, I need you guys to be 100% honest with me because what I'm not interested in is um, sharing something that was 
pretty specific. And then, you know, the, oh, like, well, that's kind of me. Like, I am sort of a athlete playing for a football, pro football team. But I really just play football with, like, flag football with two buddies on Sunday afternoons for an hour, except when it's hot like this. So that's uh, an example of uh, not being 100% honest. So, okay, so here we go. So, Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your power.